This podcast is brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. My name is Jared Norton, and this is The Voluntary Contrarian. Hello and welcome back to the Voluntary Contrarian Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Norton. Today is April 5th, 2019, and this is going to be episode 16 of the show. If you're new here, I appreciate you listening. If you have been there for a while, uh, hey man, I or hey man, hey person, <laughs> I really appreciate you guys uh, hanging in there and, and uh, listening to the show. So today I'd like to go over a couple of essays that I I wrote, and they're up at everythingvoluntary.com under the blog section, and I write under the um, the name Enemy of the State. Let's, let's start off with one I wrote December 3rd. Actually, I had it posted December 3rd of last year, and it's called On the Violence Inherent in Voting. At some time or another, we were all taught how government works. We learned about the three branches of government and their relationships to each other. We were also told that, quote, we are government, since each citizen over the age of 18 has the right to vote for a chosen candidate or on ballot initiatives. That's what we were taught. What they didn't tell us about were the deleterious effects of voting, the victims of voting. The fact that each voter puts their individual needs, opinions, and desires above and to the detriment of others. The voter believes their actions to be benevolent or caring, but nothing could be further from the truth. Their acts of voting instead cause innocent people to be considered criminals, increasing the surveillance state, increasing the police state, punitive taxation, more war, more prisons, separation of families, and on and on. They vote because they think they know what's best for their fellow citizens. What the voter doesn't know is that they are responsible. They are responsible for the victims of their act of voting. The recreational pot smoker who was sentenced to prison. The hardworking couple forced to pay more taxes. The young soldiers who will die on foreign battlefields. These are the victims of voting, among many others. And the, quote, patriotic, God-fearing, tax-paying Americans need to realize this fact. Voting may seem like a responsible, benevolent act, but as Frederick Bastiat wrote, I'm paraphrasing here, there is the seen and the unseen. By that, I think he meant, before you act, consider the repercussions of acting. Your decisions have consequences. So, looking back at that one, I actually had, I wrote something years ago. Um, I couldn't find it. I looked for it. I I wrote it down in a notebook somewhere. I was actually at work on lunch break, and uh, for some reason I was taken by the fact that um, it's the voters that put people in power, and those people in power can do some pretty heinous things. And that got me thinking, well, if the person they put in power is kind of like their representative, and if they... they, 
I guess, cause death and destruction, I came to the realization or belief that that the blood is on the voters' hands. And that might be kind of extreme, but I think it was about that time when I just I stopped voting altogether because I I realized I didn't want I didn't want my name or my um, encouragement to go out to any politician. I didn't want I wanted to be able to say to myself with a clear conscience that I didn't help this person get into power, and therefore whatever they do while they're in power, it's out of my hands, you know. So let's move on to the second one here. This one is more of a, I see, I wrote this or posted it December 4th of last year. It's on in-group preference. When it comes to with whom we relate, we may consider likeness in age, profession, or status. What we don't consider are their philosophical beliefs or what is at the core of the person with whom we are meeting. As humans, we seek familiarity, commonality, comfort. We seek people like us with whom to relate. It's only natural. We develop in-group preferences, not a bad thing, but interesting. The reason I find this interesting is that I developed my own theory on in-group preference. I call them quantitative in-group preference and qualitative in-group preference. Quantitative in-group types seek the greatest peer acceptance by keeping their beliefs vague and accepting the most num- the greatest number of people. Qualitative in-group types, by comparison, seek peer acceptance by being more narrowly defined. They are more focused on the details and the obscure. Think of this like those who are fans of football compared to those who identify with transgender dragon kin. <laughs> There's a distinct difference between the two, but football fans are aplenty. However, Dragonkin, not so much. Although this essay is more conjecture than empirical, I have personally found this to be a tool in my philosophical toolbox, a tool which has helped me discern between those of which I choose to relate, whether I seek acceptance by the majority or the minority, the broader the thinker or the more pedantic. And when I wrote this, I believe I was I was really interested in um, what separated because around here um, in the Northwest, speaking of football, I mean if you're a Seahawks fan in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, uh, probably even Montana, and, and I don't know how far it goes, but it, it's kind of like a big tribe or a big clan. And if you're wearing Seahawks blue you're going to be accepted. And I've correlated that fan base, not, not entirely. I know I'm, I'm not trying to general, I'm trying to more generalize here than I'm trying to be more uh, specific, but I find those people to be kind of the, the boomer type of people. You know, they, well, then again, you have the fans in Seattle and Seattle's anything but boomer, but, it's kind of a, like the, the casting a wide net. You can find a lot of people who have commonality just just by virtue of having that fandom for the, the Seahawks. And I believe that although there are some introverted people who are Seahawks fans, I believe it's it's kind of more geared towards it's the um, it's the extroverted part of somebody who will make them want to wear um, Seahawks team. Uh, gear 
and put Seahawks stickers on their, their cars and trucks. On, on the other side, you have, as I put it, the more pedantic people out there uh, who seek more of a, or, uh, a smaller group of people with whom they want to call their tribe. Uh, I find them probably more interesting because they're more detail-oriented as far as looking for traits or having little um, idiosyncrasies that set them apart from the mass, the masses. Um, and I, I understand you can have you can have you know people who are normal on both sides and wackos on both sides, but I don't know. It was just kind of a little, um, I guess, a little thought experiment that I uh, was just kind of going through there. And let's see, should we do one more? Let's do let's do one more here. Uh, this was posted July tenth of last year, and it's called In Defense of Objective Morality. There are those who discredit the philosophy of objective morality, their reason being that we, by virtue of our disparate life experiences, fail to derive a homogenous concept of morality, rather a more subjective take on morality. Over the last year, I've come to defend the legitimacy of objective morality based on the concept of natural law, among other philosophies. That is, if a benevolent, um, sorry here, that is, if a benevolent action is acceptable by the group, it should also hold true the action would seem acceptable as the individual as well. Conversely, if a malevolent action, as defined as a contradiction to natural law, is not acceptable to be performed by an individual, then a group performing malevolent acts shouldn't be acceptable either. If one looks at the world today, how many malevolent acts are being perpetrated by groups of people? Why are they being sanctioned, accepted, and even celebrated when these actions are immoral based on solely on the violation of natural law? All this is not to say that natural laws and man-made laws are always in opposition. If I could whip up a Venn diagram, I could show several overlapping laws covered by both ideologies. Murder, theft, rape, assault. Any action which results in a victim pretty much covers it. It's the victimless quote, crimes that fall under the purview of man-made laws that concern me. These laws are the constructs of men and women with no regard to objective morality or natural law. Laws born of a lust for power and control, not a spirit of empathy and equity. Without understanding of natural law and objective morality, one can, be, one can become tacitly complicit in the illegitimacy of man-made laws and possibly suffer the dire, the dire consequences themselves. That was a rather shorter one, but I think that one kind of speaks for itself, although I kind of stumbled here and there. But it, it kind of, going back to this one line that I wrote, um, if an act is acceptable by a, to be performed by a group, it should hold true that same act would be seen as acceptable for the individual as well. And by that, it's kind of like um, if a group, I don't know, let's just say um, they went around shaking people's hands and obviously there was nothing wrong with that. If it was a voluntary exchange, they, yeah, I will, I will shake your hand. Um, so the individual would feel the liberty to know that shaking hands is, is it's cool. It's, it's fine. Kind of a poor example, but I'm going to go with that. But on the other hand, um, 
if a group performs a malevolent action, let's say, um, oh, let's say going to people's houses and arresting them for um, and throwing them in, in jail for possessing marijuana. Now that's the group doing that. Now, as an individual, if I went to someone's house, you know, and, and knocked their door down and, and, you know, shot their dog and put them all in handcuffs and then took them back to my house and put them in a, I don't know, a, a, a bedroom and locked the door, that wouldn't be, <laughs> that wouldn't be seen as a very uh, acceptable act. And the, the, Basically, this article is trying to show that there there are man-made laws that forget about that. They don't care about the fact that what's good for one person uh, is not good for another, and so they will use their 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 group mentality, their collectiveness, or collectivism, in order to uh, thrust these to me illegitimate and. Um, immoral laws and, and dictates upon people. So that was that. So now I'd like to move on to, let's do a truck rant. And for those of you who aren't familiar with a truck rant, if you go on YouTube and just put in the search bar truck rant, you're going to find all kinds of videos with these, um, usually kind of alpha male, uh, tough guy, you know, truck driving, America loving type people, and they're usually bitching and complaining about, you know, you know, the old America. Where did America go? And these damn millennials these days, that kind of stuff. You know, they they just they love to beat their chests and and, and show how cool and tough they are, and that uh, you know, because they're an alpha male, they're just so. They're so strong and tough and uh, and intelligent at the same time. So, for entertainment, sometimes I would watch some of these videos just long enough to get pissed off and, and pretty much want to hurl. And so, one day I decided I was coming home from work and I'd heard something somewhere and it got me going on this, uh, you know, the, kind of the ridiculousness of the right, uh, the right wingers and, you know, pro law enforcement and, uh, you know, Trumpsters and that kind of people. And uh, I thought, well, you know what? I was actually, I was talking to myself in kind of a Southern accent or kind of a redneck drawl. And I thought, you know, I'm going to record this because I figured my wife would find it humorous. And she found it pretty humorous. And I actually, I enjoy doing them. So I've done, I think, I think this is my third one here, but I'm going to play the second one that I ever did. So here is my version of a truck rant. Hey, what's up, everybody out there? It's time for another truck rant. I'm the way home now. My pickup, and uh, I was listening to Fox News, and uh, them, them fellers talking about all the uh, candidates that are coming up in the uh, 2020 election, and uh, talking about all them uh, Democrats trying to come after my boy Trump. Now, I'll tell you what. They're going to have to work real hard to get past Trump. Trump is like, he's like one of the basketball players, you know, he's like eight feet tall. They're dribbling around, he's like a big-ass wall. I mean, Trump is the wall. They're dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. 
okay, goodbye. Just came. So anyway, they was talking about, uh, they got this fella, uh, Beto, Beta, Beta Male, whatever his name is. That, that guy's a clown right there. I mean, he, he's a, he's a freaking skinny ass city boy goober. That's what he is. They got that, uh, Les, Les Warren. She that Indian gal? I don't, I don't know who that is, uh, but, I mean, but, what year is this anyway? We got women running for president. I mean, again, come on, <laughs> come on. I mean, they they can't even be doctors yet. They they're gonna want to run the free world. I don't think so. Who else take that? Uh, oh yeah, that cat uh, with her Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, Alexandria. Occasional Cortex, that's her name. That, that, I mean, she ain't bad to look at them. <laughs> to tell you what, she could probably make a mean burrito, if you know what I'm saying. But beyond that, again, female, no thanks. Can't get past the wall that is Trump. Uh, oh, then we got a uh, zigzag uh, freaking gang ba- gang gang, yang gang, uh, yeah, he's, that guy, mm, I don't know, he wants to, he wants to pay everybody for staying at home and not working, are you kidding me, I mean, what would our, what would our grandfathers think if we wanted to sit at home, not work, but get paid, I mean, that's just ridiculous right there, I mean, what are you going to do, you can play on your game, get, smoke the ganja, and I don't, I don't know. A bunch of worthless, freaking lefty pieces of shit, if you ask me. My granddaddy, if I wanted to sit at my sit at my ass at home, play some video game or something, he'd come after me. Hmm. I'll tell you what. Now, I don't know. They got a whole bunch of other clowns running against Trump, but I don't know. I, I wish him luck, but hmm. How are you going to get past that that beast of a man that Trump is? What he puts his mind to, he wins. He is making America great again. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I should give me one of them hats, too. I know they piss off the lefties, so it'd be fun to do that shit. Anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, you can't forget about the, the old... Uh, the old white hair dude, Bernie Sanders. I don't know. That guy's like, what? He's like 80, 80 years old or something? Shit. He's way too old. Can't. There's no way a guy that age can take on the Trumpster. You kidding me? Trump just walk up to him and just bop him on the freaking goofy ass afro white hair old man head. Knock his dick in the dirt. I'm sure there's quite a few more I can't think of right now because Fox News hasn't told me who who's uh, who's running yet. You know the whole list. But I'll tell you what, whatever those those boys over at Fox tell me to vote for, I'm voting for it because that um, there Fox is America. Fox is and Fox should be a branch of the the service. It should be. Military funding should go to 
Fox News because they're helping defend this country, America, America. It should be, it should be Marines, Navy, uh, Coast Guard's not really a real thing, um, uh, Army, Air Force, and Fox News. That should be on, on the defense budget. Anyway, that's about all I got for you guys today. I appreciate everyone listening, and don't let them fellers on the left try to talk you into voting for one of them freaking clowns. Next thing you know, we'll be just drinking soy milk, driving Priuses. I don't know, changes and changing our genders and back and forth, and just we'll just have a freaking clip-on penis and we'll take it off and. I don't know. I don't know. They'll, they'll think of some kind of way just to switch back and forth, you know, that suits your suits your will. Anyway, guys, that that's I'm I'm done talking now. You guys, uh, thanks for listening, and you guys stay safe out there. All right, those are some wise words, <laughs> or very much uh, not wise words uh, from that trunk the truck rant guy. Anyway, that's uh, that's kind of the way I decompress on the way home sometimes because sometimes we need to kind of take a step back from how serious uh, everything seems and all the infighting and and uh, just kind of going after each other and have some fun. I mean, although I realize that's going to ruffle some feathers if if some other truck rant guy heard it, he'd probably think I was a you know one of them millennials or something. I don't know, but. Let's go ahead and close it out with, um, how about a website? I'm not a website. What am I on? Um, let's do an email. You can reach me at voluntarycontrarian at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at TVC underscore podcast. And I'm also on Instagram under the name voluntarycontrarian. So as usual, I appreciate everyone who's listening and commenting. And if you have any additional comments, questions, concerns, or critiques, please use one of those um, methods to get a hold of me and tell me your thoughts. So until next time, thanks again. You guys take care. Will you do me a favor? Will you rate and review this podcast from wherever you're listening from? That would really help. One more thing. Please share this podcast with your friends.